From the crossroads of America in the Hoosier state of Indiana, this is Get In, the podcast focused on the unfolding stories and extraordinary innovations happening right now in the heartland. On the show today is Doug Booth, CEO at Multiply Technology. I know my dad saw me. I know he was proud of me and I know he loved me and he did that while running a business. And that was a big deal to me. And that's the legacy that I hope to carry on forward. Doug Booth is the CEO of Multiply Technology, an Indianapolis-based company that helps global enterprises and rapidly growing orgs implement complex IT asset management strategies and solutions. Doug began his career at Exact Target by way of the OR Fellowship Program, and during his time at ET, Doug identified a need and started building. We're going to talk about that today, as well as his transition from Exact Target to starting this company, Multiply Technology. On, in today's show, we're going to cover turning entrepreneurship into entrepreneurship, building a business, starting with global enterprises, and sharing some startup stories on resilience and innovation that are sure to inspire. Doug, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to have you here, man. Yeah. Uh, excited to dive into the story and learn a little bit more about the Multiply Technology story, but figured maybe we could start with where you grew up, take it back to your roots. What were some of your earliest memories of business, entrepreneurship, and home? Yeah, that sounds good. And I feel like there's need to be a little disclaimer that this is my first one of these. And I still feel like we're writing your first, stories. Your first podcast? My first podcast. Holy moly. Well, Breaking the story here. This is awesome. Let's it. roll. Right. Going back to my roots, I come from northern Indiana. Actually, I met my wife when we were 15. And she's the first person I dated. And I'm the first person she dated. And here we are now. Love that. And go, growing up, my, my upbringing was in a family business. I got to participate with my dad in that family business, we, what we called, we did what we called half days. You get in when the sun goes up and you might go home when the sun goes down if we're lucky. <laughs> but I think that sounds like farming. Yeah. It was basically farming. It happened to be in the golf arena, but more or less it was farming. What was the business? It was a golf course. Okay. Um, awesome. Which golf course? Plymouth Rock. Uh, yes. You know it. 15 miles from my hometown. Boom. Uh, there you go. Plymouth Rock. Probably but, the closest golf course to your home. Uh, that and Sprague. <laughs> Good old yeah, Sprague. R.I.P. Fun fact, getting to do that with my dad, I got to learn some of the, what it takes to run a business, a family business, the balance between him working on the golf course and him investing in my life. And my dad unfortunately passed away actually soon after I graduated. And someone asked me, now I have my own son and they asked me, okay, what do you want people to know? Or what do you want your son to know about Bob Booth? And I said, I know my dad saw me. I know he was proud of me and I know he loved me. And he did that while running a business. And that was a big deal to me. And that's the legacy that I hope to carry on forward. But Learning at the golf course and that tenacity of hard work and just getting things done was a huge part of my upbringing. I then went to Purdue, was in the Purdue band, really enjoyed that. That was a whole thing. And if you see the outtakes, we have some Purdue songs going on. <laughs> um, and then came to really the Or Fellowship because my dad had talked to me about these things called the golden handcuffs, these allurements of corpor corporations and big business and the all the trappings or siren songs that we can go after that really may or may not pan out to what we thought they would be. Mm. And they also lock people in to be able to take risks, take calculated jumps and build your wings and fly. And so the Or Fellowship was that for me. For those that don't know the Or Fellowship program, yep. can you give us a quick fly? Yeah. Okay. So the Or Fellowship really is connecting the next generation of business leaders and entrepreneurs to those that are already doing it in Indianapolis specifically. It happened to work out for me really well because my wife was going to be going to medical school here in Indianapolis. And so to work at a company like Exact Target that 
had just an awesome culture and awesome trajectory and joined the Order Fellowship, it was a slam dunk opportunity. And in talking with my dad, the alternative, and I'm not trying to say anything negative to big organizations, but the alternative for me, and I did try this, was at a large organization in Cincinnati, and it was the trappings. It was the corporation that there was a path. That path was blazed, but I really enjoyed the encouragement from my dad to say, you know what, go down this path because you're going to connect to people. Those people and those relationships matter, and you can trailblaze yourself. So, Was there any discussion about taking over the family business? There was. And that's in part why I brought it up. Awesome question. <laughs> the year my dad passed away was a big year for me. It was 2013. In early 2013 with Purdue Bands, we actually went to Ireland, which was an how, awesome trip. How old were you in 2013? 2013, I would have been 22. Okay. Yep. And so we went to Ireland, but the why I bring that up is I had just lost my aunt and my uncle, my dad, my brother and I got to go alongside Purdue bands to Ireland and intersect the band in all the places. And I say that because it's really a joy to get to spend time with Max Jones from Purdue bands and Jay Gephardt now, because it's look, that was life changing. And I can go back and tell them how life changing that was. But at that moment in Ireland, we're talking about this next chapter of my life, which was my wife's going to medical school. My dad was done with the family business and golf at that time wasn't great. And, and so it was, do I want to take this over or move on? And in the spirit of doing my own thing, my dad did encourage me to move on and to grow my wings and fly on my own. And at this time, I look back on some of those conversations like, man, I was a little, I was a jerk to my dad in those conversations <laughs> at the time, but he was so gracious to me and encouraging in, in what me. Way? Just in, in the fact that he did have an opportunity on a silver platter to say, hey, this thing's set up. You can run it. Mm-hmm. it's working, it's profitable, it's making money, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, no, thank you, because I want to go do my own thing. I want to go be with, at that time, I hadn't gotten married yet, but soon to be married, be with my wife and start this new thing. And the Or Fellowship was just this culmination of all those different pieces as this is the launch pad. And my dad actually called me. I have this voice recording still today because I missed the call, but it, he was just sharing those things. I see you. I'm so proud of where you're going. I'm so excited. I'm cheering you on all the way for this next chapter of your life. And it's those things that's, yep, it just made sense. All yeah. the stars aligned and said, okay, this is where I need to be. Who knew what was going to come from that? But definitely stepping into that with a lot of courage because of the support that I had. I want to go back real quick and repeat what you said earlier about, about your father. So you said your father saw you and he loved you. And he was proud of me. And he yep. was proud of you. And so I just want to encourage anybody listening to this podcast, like that's where it all starts. All this rest of stuff is great, but like at the core, the human element, being a parent, I'm a father myself of a 15 year old son and not to make it about me for yeah. a moment, but I literally almost died last Thursday. Oh my gosh. And a riptide. Thought it was over. I was, it was done. And, and I was trying to find my son on the beach so I could see him one last time. Oh man. And when you said that. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I'm glad I'm here too. And, but when you said that, my hope was God, if something, if that did happen, I hope my son would say the exact same thing. Yeah. So anyway, my, don't way to bring me, it all down, but no, it's, it's I think that to, to be honest, this is the real stuff. This Absolutely. is, this is the good stuff. And my dad unexpectedly had a heart attack. He was actually on a retirement road trip. All he wanted to do was get a motor home and go travel the world. And he actually was at a friend's retirement party in Kansas city when he had this heart attack. So it was completely unexpected, uh, but it was one of those, he created a meaningful legacy because that's what I remember. And that's what I want my son to know. From me, because that's yeah. what I got from my dad. And that changed my life and yeah. is continuing to. And I think one thing, as far as where we might veer the conversation, I do think just putting a point in, in the Purdue fight song, there is a, a, a line that says, filled with joy, our voices raise. Yep. Hail Purdue. But the filled with joy, our voices raise. I think we have a responsibility to, to go to people 
yourself included, all of us at this table and say, hey, you make an impact. Yeah. I see you. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of what you're doing. And if it happens to be family or even an extension of that, we're called to love. I That's love right. you, man. Yeah. I love you too. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Let's go. Totally it's agree. Awesome. It's the human element. And yeah. I think that's a wrap. What else can we say? <laughs> <laughs> at yeah. the end of the day, the rest is logistics and doing business. Yeah. But at the core, I think those things are really powerful. And so I'm glad we called it out yeah. early. And I'm sure it's going to be a theme as we it probably continue to discuss I can't help it. your journey. <laughs> and I'm glad we talked about the Or Fellowship too, because we talked a little bit about the origin story with Angie Hicks on that episode. Shameless plug to go check out that episode if you haven't checked that one out yet. Nate and I are both Or Fellows. You've got an Or Fellow on your team, Jackson, who looped us in. And brought multiply technology into the powder keg community. So I think it's it's just pretty amazing to talk about that the power of community and or fellowship is one of those really key ones in the state of Indiana. Yeah. So many entrepreneurs, so many business leaders have come through that program. I'm so grateful that I stayed in Indiana because of the or fellowship instead of going out to California yeah. like I thought I had to do in order to grow a high growth tech company. Yep. So it's definitely a great example here of getting to join Exact Target at a very interesting time. Yeah, and for me, I think, so Exact Target had a catapult rotational program combined with the Or Fellowship. So it was like, I was getting all the things. Oh, like, yeah. It was wonderful. But I think specifically what the Or, or Fellowship provided was really a, a, an audience to bounce ideas off of, but also a network of people to talk through things. Like I, I know from when I went through, Mark Hill was critical in the establishment of Multiply. And as we're going through that, those first stages, I had the opportunity to sit down and have a couple of cups of coffee with Mark. And that was huge for me as a new business owner and also to encourage me to keep going because there's yeah. not, wasn't always just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say also, I think the, the folks that supported the Or Fellowship, like Scott Dorsey, yeah. and just having access to those sorts of people. When I was at the big organization in Cincinnati, one thing that 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 internship did give me was access to some of the top folks and just having those conversations and talking through and saying, what does it look like on a random Tuesday for you? And I'll be honest, and I don't have the exact date or time when this was said, and Scott maybe can keep me honest. Maybe you can tell him if this happened or not. But <laughs> what I recall him saying to that type of question was, I take my kid to school every day. Yeah. And it's wait. You're telling me that you run Exact Target, which just got acquired by Salesforce for the biggest at that time acquisition ever in the planet. Yeah. And you take your kid to school. That's what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know that I would have had that access or that conversation if it weren't for the Catapult and or Fellowship programs that I was a part of. And that was huge, especially as an aspiring entrepreneur, someone who really wanted to do this, didn't know how it was a total black box. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll talk to the power of Or Fellowship and the connection community that it made because that's how I originally got connected with Doug. Oh, this was probably 2019. And I was sitting down with Bo Dietrich, which also an Or Fellow alumni. And I had mentioned my mom had passed away two years earlier. I was interested in entrepreneurship. And it was deeper than just the business connection. It was mm -hmm. like, hey, Doug is a member of the Or Fellowship community and you need to sit down and talk with them. And that's how I got my intro into Doug. What? four years ago now. Yep. It's funny to see all that things come full circle and how that was going to be a meaningful relationship, not just professionally, but also just like personally as well. But I love yeah. that that introed, and I hate the context for how it introed, but you shared a little vulnerability there that, hey, I lost somebody that was important to me. I got to share that with Bo because Bo was part of the reason why I came to Indianapolis to even look at the Or Fellowship in the first place. And I know when I lost my dad, I shared that with Bo. And I know Bo has had his own set of hardships 
And we've gotten a whole nother level of a relationship that is so much more than the fact that we have some businesses. That's not the point. (laughs) And I would say just to veer again, back to relationships, Aaron Padgett, my business partner, he and I met while we were trying to wrestle life's mysteries together. It happened to be through a study that was looking at the good book and trying to understand how can we live a life worthy of the calling that we've received? How can we do these sorts of things? And what we envisioned was a business that can be a place that restores things, restores hope in people, restores dignity in work, restores a lot of things. Happens to also be restoring technology because we were buying old technology that companies were getting rid of. And I think through the meetings and the weekly discussions around what this could look like, that set a foundation for our business that is beyond any sort of crossing any sort of T's and dotting any I's. It was foundational to who we become and who we've became. Yep. And I would say in, in looking at Aaron, Aaron was a serial entrepreneur. He started a lot of business. He would call himself a serial failure. I would call himself an incredible learner. And I got to ride on the coattails of those learnings that he had, though he wasn't a part of the Or Fellowship. I bring that up because it's those sorts of stories that I think you guys are trying to share. It's what are the learnings? What are the nuggets so that we can fast right. track each other? And one of those nuggets that Aaron brought was, hey, let's lead with revenue because guess what? That's how businesses work. And he had a whole host of opportunities to try that and in his mind, fail and try and fail. But that's as I was an or fellow at exact target, I happened to be working. Aaron was a contractor at exact target. Mm. And so more or less, Aaron was involved when exact target went from 900 to 3000 employees. And he was building every single one of those new hires. So physically building those computers for those people. My role at that time happened to be, how do we automate this? How do we put some software behind it? How do we make it a wow experience for these new hires? So that it's like Christmas day, yeah. but also get Aaron the information he needs. And in doing that, I think when we said, hey, there's an opportunity here to start a business, let's lead with revenue to do that. Okay, we were able to figure out how to turn around, make a contract actually signed and start having some cash flow and some revenue so that we could have longevity in the future and build that runway to keep going. And it started as Aaron buying 50 computers and selling those 50 computers, making a little bit more money and then buying 60 computers. It got to a point where it was outstripped his capacity. And that's where we joined. He, on a handshake and hug, he took a chance on me. I took a chance on him and we went into it. And, but I think it's those relationships. Again, the Or Fellowship is a, an incubator for those. This is an incubator for that same opportunity. But when you see those people, when you build those relationships, Sometimes it's, you got to take the leap and build your wings on the way down. And that's what Aaron and Aaron did with me. And I did with him. And I'm so thankful for that. So I may have missed it. So where'd you meet Aaron in the or fellowship or no, at ET? He was at ET. He got was it. at exact target as a contractor. And I was on the IT staff working directly with him through that. So then when you launched your business, when did you ever take on investors early on? Nope. So you've taken no investors on today. Yep. I'd love to dive into this, that whole part of the story, right? Because I think that what we've seen here, especially in the last kind of six months or a year, is it, it, everything goes in cycles, it seems like. We, we make the same mistakes over and over as mm-hmm. industries, real estate or investing, and, and everything gets really hot for 10 years and then it dies, and everything gets hot in 10 years and it dies. There's a new buzzword and everybody gets behind it, and then they want to do 20x multiples and valuations, and then the company can't live up to the growth, and then there's a big down round, et cetera. And so I, talk about that. Like, yeah. How did you make the decision to so lead with revenue? That's really powerful. I think investors put a lot of pressure on companies way too early to spend a bunch of money on trying to grow revenue when the fundamentals or the ICP or the basic aren't covered yet. 
So talk about that. How'd you guys make that decision? Yeah, I think a lot of it came from Aaron's background. He and his wife had made the choice to go debt-free personally, and they achieved that. And it was really grabbing it from your bootstraps and be scrappy. Like, how do we make this make money? And how do we make it make help make it work? And when we first started, it, it seemed simpler in some ways because it was a side thing, right? The what we started as was an IT asset disposition. That's the technical name of it. But it was buying old computers from big organizations, wiping the machines, and selling them to other people. Simple economics. <coughs> Buy low, sell high, you're good. And at the time, it was basically a cash business yeah. because we could buy all the computers, sell them, put the cash in coffee cans and move on to get to the next round, right? That's how it started. We've very humble beginnings in a storage unit. That That's another part of our story. <laughs> that's another one we can get into. But the reality it. is it, the humble beginnings got us to a point where, okay, this is working. Aaron and I have used over the years this idea of let's fire BBs at different opportunities. Those little BBs could be investments could be like, Hey, we're going to try this thing. We're going to build this product. Let's see if we can get a customer to sign or get someone interested in it. And if we do, let's pull out the cannon and go. And that mindset has been the evolution of multiply really started from that kernel of, we need to make sure this makes money and works because we don't want to take on debt. Are you doing this on the side? I'm not doing this on the side. No, no back then. Oh, when you're starting it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So yeah. nine, 10 years ago, because yeah, you've been yeah, yeah. eight years, right? Yeah. So originally, so, were you doing this on the side, we like were. nights and weekends? Nights and weekends. And, and, and how long? Aaron and Mandy were doing that primarily themselves, nights yeah. and weekends, as a side thing for them, side hustle. And again, Aaron and I had been meeting in that weekly group and just talking and wrestling through vision casting. And, and I shared very the depths of my grieving with my dad, with Aaron, a lot of, and we connected on a lot of those things. And at that time, it was 100% nights and weekends. It got to a point where it's, oh my gosh, this is going to overtake him. How long was that going on? I think about, I think it was about a year and a half. Yeah. I don't know the exact time. Nice but that's the backstory. Yeah. Right? That's a backstory that nobody ever realizes, yep. right? right? You have this successful company. You're doing exactly. unbelievably well. But there were 18 months of walking through like the first valley of death. Exactly. Figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it took Aaron to have, and again, I think it took Aaron to have that vision and try it. And then he welcomed me into it because he said, hey, this is working. It is making money and is doing something. Yeah. Let's go and let's just light it on fire and see if we can go to the next level. And man, we had no idea where we were going after that, but here we are. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Quick break from our normal programming. I have Erica Schweier, COO from Elevate Ventures here in the studio today. Erica, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you're going to tell us a little bit about this Rally Innovation Conference that's coming up. Yep. So it's the largest cross-sector innovation conference in the world. We're going to feature six innovation studios. So think hard tech, software, sports tech, ag and food, healthcare, and entrepreneurship is going to kind of be our catch-all. I love that. So tell me what is, who's it for? Yeah, it's for innovators, entrepreneurs, investors. Honestly, anybody probably listening to this podcast. And it's going to be a multi-day thing that's multi-day. happening in downtown Indianapolis. Yep. People coming in from all over the country and maybe even all over the world to be here. That's our hope. Yep. And the dates are actually August 29th through the 31st. Perfect. And if people want to find out more information about speakers, tickets, things like that, where can they go? Yeah. So they just go to rallyinnovation.com and sign up for communications. They can also get their tickets. I love it. You heard it here at rallyinnovation.com. We'll, we'll see, see you, you there. there. Yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit about some of those early customers. Yep. You knew that this worked with, at Exact Target, yep. but if revenue is the way you're growing, you got to find customers. Yeah. And that was a hard thing, to be honest. I'll share a couple pieces to that. On one hand, because we had the relationships with Exact Target Salesforce and there was a whole lot of buzz around, that helped. Come on. Of when course. we walk into a meeting and say, hey, they're trusting us with this, come on. 
but also some of the partners that and vendors that we worked with at Exact Target knew about us as well. And so one of them, SHI, they actually were working with another company at that time called Interactive Intelligence. And so we said, hey, if there's a need there, it actually started with a need specifically in repairs, repairing mm -hmm. current technology, not disposing of old technology. But we got that introduction. And then we talked and we still actually have this relationship with Ken Moore over at Genesis now. And it said, hey, we can do so much more than just repairs. And, and also our model with the IT asset disposition specifically was very different. We wanted to, to show up, pay up, pick up, no grading, no hassle. Those who were in the space and sometimes even today are in the space, it's you send me your old technology, I'll go grade it all and then I'll write you a check. But it's going to be a black box over here to let you know what you're actually going to get. Mm -hmm. And I may say, hey, grade A, I'm going to pay you this much. But then everything I'll come back to you and say, you were more like a grade C on everything. So I'm going to pay you less. What we do is we just show up, pick up, pay up, no grading, no hassle. So we set a price. You know what we're going to pay you up front. That turned the heads of kin, and thus we were in the ballgame. So I don't know if you guys are picking up on this. I, what, I'm, what I love and what I'm hearing is like specificity. There's no BS, hmm. right? Yeah. And no sugarcoating. It's just this is what we can do. This is the value it is. And boom, you want it or not. Yep. That's what it was. And it's the unique selling proposition. Like yeah. that was yeah. the thing that you were differentiated on. Yeah, so we had a couple, and I wanted to take it a couple different directions. We had a couple in that scenario like mm -hmm. Genesis, where we brought on Genesis, Lidos Health was another one out of Westfield. But also, we had some struggles, to be quite honest, because we were positioned as IT asset disposition. Another, perhaps, synonym to that is we're a recycling company. And so we don't have a seat at the table for some of the strategic direction of IT asset management. That was a problem for us, because when we first started... It was all about, hey, do you have any old technology? We'll buy it. And then it became a price game. And yep. when it was only a price game, there were some that said, yep, I'm in because I know I've been burned and I know you're not going to burn me because I know what I'm getting into. Yep. To others, it was, well, now, wait a minute. They're telling me grade A's are this much and you're telling me that much. I'm going to go with them. And then they get burned and then come back. But I think over the years, what we've tried to do is let's craft a better vision because the reality is we are guides in IT asset management. The whole picture. We need a seat at that strategic table. And that's the, the seat we've had with a company like Salesforce, where we're building products. Actually, we're building the products to automate IT asset management, and we're doing the services. And that whole picture is the, what, the value that we bring. It's not just we're a recycling company here, take my junk. So that was a hard point in the very beginning for us because we were focused hard on, we just want IT asset disposition business. We just want your old computers because that's buy low, sell high, easy economics. What we were developing, and I'd say we are still developing today, is the more IT asset management role. And just to give you a little nugget, when we were at Exact Target to Salesforce, that transition period, the opportunity that was given to us was all of the Exact Target computers needed to be swapped out for Salesforce computers. Easy enough. That's a lot of the work that we had already been doing functionally in, in our roles. And we were given basically six months to do it and said, here's the playbook, go. And to be honest, we looked at that playbook and I'm, again, I'm not trying to look down a nose or anything like that, but we just looked at that playbook and said, Hey, I think you keep in mind, my role was automation. Yeah. I think we can automate a lot of these touch points, make this an awesome user experience and deliver wow and do it with not an army of people because the alternative to using our team, which is small and scrappy was using a large organization that does what we do that had 30 people committed to do this project. We did it with three and we built a tool in that ecosystem, everything at Salesforce is something force. We called it swap force, swapping computers, swap force. <laughs> and that took off that. That was a BB that we said, Hey, 
I can, my wife at that time was in medical school, so she did not have much time. And it's like, I, I like to code that blend of business and technology management information systems. That was something I picked up at Purdue. It's like connecting the business problem with some technology solutions, even though I'm not a coder necessarily, I could put something together. So let's try it. That did turn out to work. It worked very well for that exact target to Salesforce migration. We then were a part of quite a number of M&As with exact target, and they still use those programs that we built for IT asset management. We've expanded that, that suite of IT asset management expertise and product, but that's where it started. And it was really, how do we make it better than we found it? Let's fire a BB and try it. And it panned out. Can you talk about navigating that conversation? You are less than two years out of college in your first job yeah. ever, your first professional career, and you go from being an employee to now exact target Salesforce. You're my customer. Yep. How did you navigate that? Yeah, I think in part, back to relationships, in part, it is the people. The leader of the IT organization at exact target was an incredible mentor to me, and he actually still works at Salesforce. But more or less, it was, hey, can you help me figure out how to navigate some of these discussions? It wasn't him as the decision maker. It was him as just a sounding board to say, hey, maybe you need to get your idea a little bit more clarified on what you want to do or how you're going to do it. And But he gave us a chance. And I think that was huge. And then to back that up, we actually did something about it. So when we said we're going to do it, we did what we said we were going to do. And we did deliver that awesome user experience. And by the end of the six months, all of those exact target computers got swapped over and we were off to the races. So it was, uh, we're going to give you a chance. And then, okay, now that you gave us a chance, we're not going to take that lightly. We're going to knock it down and do it well. One of the phrases I heard you say, recognized from Tim Kopp, former CMO of Exact Target, and I think he got it, that from Tony Shea, the writer of Delivering Happiness, co-founder of Zappos. Wow, mm. service. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that and, and yeah. how you're still using that today. Yeah, I think back then there was, we didn't necessarily clarify it to the wow. I think now we know it's wow, but there was a couple iterations. When we first started, Wing Yu at Salesforce was one of the higher ups and he caught wind of this thing multiply and these multipliers. He actually saw one of our team members as he was in town. He says, oh, you're a multiplier. So we picked that one up and kept it. Nice. But what he, what we talked about and what he shared was we disrupt industries because we were not only swapping out those exact target computers, but we were also buying those old computers and remarketing them. So it was like a double whammy. Yeah. Benefit to our customer, benefit to us. Industry disruption. And then fast forward, we had Sarah Franklin, who is one of the presidents at Salesforce and specifically in marketing area. She was thinking about and commenting upon the drudgery of a, an IT computer swap. Mm. If I have to get to a new computer, <laughs> that how do I even do that? I don't even want to start, right? Yeah. Like it was a drudgery. And she said, man, the way that we did this was seamless. I got a couple text messages, got a couple boom, and then it showed up on my doorstep and it was just boom. And it's okay, that's it. It's delivering wow. It's when you have a new hire that's starting, you don't want them to have an afterthought of, am I going to get a computer? Where is my computer? And now I have 16 boxes coming to my house with all the different accoutrements. We'll distill it down to one box so you have what you need for day one. And it's frankly, so your IT team doesn't have to worry about it. That's yeah, the yeah. stuff that we do best. Love that. What are you most excited about for Multiply Technology now and going into the future? <clears throat> yeah, I think right now I'm really excited. Again, I did the disclaimer that we're still writing the story. I think we, in a lot of, of, a lot of ways, we've learned a ton and we're applying that knowledge. We also have an incredible team of people. And I think we talked about if, if you make your employees happy, your customers will be happy. I picked that up from Scott Dorsey as, man, that, there's, that can preach. That's true. Yep. <laughs> and I think 
I'm so excited about the team that we have rallied around together. We're a scrappy group and it's how do we rub two sticks and make it happen again and make the fire happen. And I think we now also on reflection, we have a playbook that we can use. We can apply to high growth tech companies that don't have any IT staff or we can apply to enterprises. We just picked up another enterprise here in Indianapolis just last year. And the type of work that we're doing with them is scaling because they see the value that we bring. And that just is more affirmation to where we're headed. So I think it's that playbook. It's also the platform. It's the IT asset management products and the knowledge that we've built. We've built all of that in-house and we have some of those tools that we use to run our daily operation. And it's in, in fact, trying to use those tools and offer those tools to our enterprises and our high growth tech organizations as well. And it's, hey, look, we know we've cracked this nut. We know how to do this very well. Come join us and we can ride it together. That's awesome. We used to use these phrases at Demand Jump, but one of our core tenants was serve each other, right? Yeah. To your comment yeah. about if the team is happy, customers will be happy. But also when I'd walk around the office, I'd be like, you're my customer, right? Yeah. If somebody asked for something or need something, like, hey, you're my customer. And yeah. I don't care if it's filling up the coffee cup, whatever it is. Like yeah. you're just anticipating the needs of others. Yep. And it doesn't have to be like major things, but like very, even some of the smallest things make the biggest difference. Yeah. Another, I, I, I another, would say, if I may, just yeah. on that comment, I think we've always been a flat organization. We're small and scrappy. And also, and this is in large part, again, from just some of the discussions that Aaron and I have had over the years, but our hierarchy is actually inverted. We believe we have a multiplied tree where we are at the bottom, we're in the roots, and we are there to serve the rest of the organization, not the other way around. And I think our hope is may our roots go deep so our branches can go wide. And that's really, that's the heart and the mission behind what we're trying to do as leaders in our company, let alone trying to serve our own customers too. But I think it starts with serving our own people, like you're saying, our multipliers. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Leadership. You were two years into your professional career. Now you're running this company and you've been doing that ever since. How have you picked up tips, uh, qualities of good leaders, and how have you instilled that across your team at Multiply? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's, to be honest, again, I'm still a work in process on this, a progress process, whatever. But I think I had enough people in my life, my dad being probably the pinnacle of saying, I see you, I'm proud of you, I love you. They believed in me before I believed in myself. Max Jones, Jay Gephardt, those guys at Purdue Bands, they had me become a leader of Purdue Bands as one of the younger leaders. And then I was a leader, by the time I was a senior, I was pretty good at it because I, they gave me a chance and I took it. And I think Andy White being another example here in the tech, not really tech ecosystem, but Andy was a huge mentor to me and his leadership style, just the servant leadership style. So picking up on that like a sponge and just taking those in and saying, how can I apply that? How can I do that? How can I practically serve my own team, serve my people? And I think there's a number of ways that can be done. If it's getting coffee, if it's grabbing lunch, if it's saying, hey, I noticed that we're going Mach 5 with our hair on fire. Let's take a pause. Let's go out and have a meal or do something together. I think it's those sorts of things, just having a pulse on that and actually acting on it is really critical. I love that. I love that. You, I did pick up a quote that you've tossed around talking about that a plane will write itself if you let go of the yield. You want to talk about that in in terms of your company? I can. Yeah. Yeah. I think so in, let's say 2020, we had some pretty significant, all of us had some pretty, pretty significant life changes happening. I would say for me, I also had some additional ones. We welcomed my first son, our only son, but we welcomed Henry to the world in February 
COVID happened in March and it's, oh my gosh, what's happening? But mm-hmm. at that time, it was a critical piece for some of our business too, because you know we needed to grow. We needed to continue finding more revenue and building our business and maybe crafting or crystallizing the story that we're telling. And I think there was a moment, I know there was a moment, I was face down on the floor in my son's room. My wife was holding Henry. And I'm like, I can't do it. I cannot do all of this myself. And I think I had this realization that, oh, wait, I'm not doing it myself, number one, because we have a team of people. But I love aviation. And if you're flying in the fog and you don't know which way's up, which way's down, which way's otherwise, and you're actually inverted, your body will tell you're not. You won't know that. But the best way, as long as you have enough altitude, the best way to right yourself is to let go of the yoke. And that's essentially, I know there's practical ways. Like, how did you actually do that? I think part of it was I wasn't taking as much control and I was trusting in our team. And there's become a Jackson's over here. I trust your judgment. I brought you in here because I see what you are becoming. I see, and I believe in who you are becoming. I trust your judgment, make it happen. I think it's those sorts of things that like, that's a practical way that I had to let it go. I had to let go of the yoke. The airplane righted itself. And it just so happened that year we doubled our business. Like I, do the math on that. I don't know how that works. I do believe in divine guidance and perhaps there was a lot of that going on. But the reality is I know for a fact in March of 2020, I was face down on Henry's floor and I'm like, plane analogy. Okay. Got to let go of the yoke. And our team figured it out. Our team figured out how to continue doing our business in a pandemic. And our business did double that year. There's a song about that, isn't there? Jesus take Jesus the wheel. Take the wheel. Yeah. I, was yeah. I was thinking that too. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus that take too. the yoke doesn't have quite the ring to yeah. it. But. <laughs> Doug, this is great. Yeah. A ton of great lessons and tidbits for, for entrepreneurs and aspiring leaders to pull out there. Yeah. I do want to wrap up with my favorite segment, okay. which is the lightning round. Mm. So the lightning round mm. is going to be three questions I'm going to ask you. And first thing that comes to your mind, you just rattle it off. Oh boy. All right. Okay. So. Outside of the amazing entrepreneurs, I'm going to restart that because I totally messed it up. (laughs) It's okay. I'll mess up the answer. (laughs) Yeah. Outside of the amazing entrepreneurs, what is Indiana known for? Racing. Racing. Indy 500. Boom. It is. This is almost May. We are just about there. Uh, What is one hidden gem in Indiana? Hidden gem in Indiana. Plymouth Rock Golf Course. It's now called Woodbury Golf Course, by the way. Full circle. I love that. What's your handicap? Still around. I don't keep a handicap. Ah, there we go. All right. And finally, who is someone that we need to keep on our radar? Someone that is doing something big. Drew Beachler. Oh, Drew from Holder. Great. Yep. Great. I love that. Can you tell us a little bit about what Drew's working on? Yeah, Drew's working on a business called Holder. I would say maybe more I'll tell the person behind the business. I've gotten to know Drew. We were or fellows together. And there's a group of four of us, actually Jackson's included, that we meet a monthly and we've done that for basically 10 years now. And I know the person, the man that is Drew Beachler. He's an incredible father, incredible husband. And I'd say look out because Drew Beachler's a machine and he's coming. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. Incredible. He's working on something pretty exciting in the Web3 space, and I'm sure we'll have him on the show here at some point. Thank you so much for being here on the show and sharing your story, Doug. It's really exciting to hear what you're working on, and I really appreciate just the level of candor you brought to the conversation and sharing some of those more core moments for you. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. And again, if someone can get some encouragement out of this, then it's well worth it to me. Yeah, if if listeners out there want to get connected to Multiply, or is there anything you're working on or ways that they can support you within the Powder community? Yeah, I mean, I would say if you're a high growth tech company and you need some IT work and you don't have IT staff, or even if you do, 
look us up because that's exactly what we do well. And if you're in the enterprise space and your IT asset management can use some help, we are right around the corner. So we'd love to, to get to know you. I love it. This was great. Thanks, awesome. Doug. Thanks, Doug. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. This has been Get In, a Powder Kick production in partnership with Elevate Ventures. And we want to hear from you. If you have suggestions for our guest or segment, reach out to Matt or Nate on LinkedIn or on email. To discover top-tier tech companies outside of Silicon Valley in hubs like Indiana, check out our newsletter at powderkeg.com slash newsletter. And to apply for membership to the Powder Keg executive community, check out powderkeg.com slash premium. We'll catch you next time and next week as we continue to help the world get in. Since you just listened to this podcast, you might be thinking about starting one for your company. Lucky for you, our partners over at Casted have you covered. Casted is the first and only podcast and video marketing platform made specifically for B2B brands. I love this about them. The platform makes it possible to publish, syndicate, amplify, and measure the value of your podcast and video content. In fact, we use it for our podcast here at Powder Keg. And if you're a startup, you should listen up because Casted for Startups is definitely for you. They are offering exclusive deep discounts of up to 82% off retail price for qualifying startups. Connect with Casted at casted.us slash powderkeg.